Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the Black Health Academy podcast. The Black Health Academy is an affordable membership site and community dedicated to eradicating chronic diseases in the black community. These chronic diseases include things such as obesity, type 2 diabetes, hypertension, heart disease, stroke, and stress. Be sure to visit theblackhealthacademy.com to get involved in the conversation, to join the community, and to engage in courses and resources that will help you eradicate, prevent, and or treat these chronic diseases. On today's show, we have a very special guest. So my lovely co-host, Miss Get Fit With Jay, will be back on the next episode. But today, I wanted to sit down with one of my clients and friends to introduce you to not only her, but her journey through obesity, weight loss, and now a plant-based life. How that's helped her to eradicate many health issues that she's dealt with in the past and how she's come out on the other side as a stronger fitter and happier individual. So I can't wait to introduce you to my special guest. But first, I want to introduce again our new segment called Driven. Driven is our segment where we highlight someone in the black community who has made an enormous contribution either to health and or medicine. So if you tuned into the first episode, Jay and I highlighted Miss Henrietta Lacks, which is a phenomenal woman whose cells were actually stolen post-mortem and have since dedicated uh, quite a few contributions to the health field by eradicating polio, sending her cells out of space, uh, all type of vaccines and medical contributions that Henrietta Lacks was able to contribute without her own knowledge. And this week, we actually want to highlight Dr. Daniel Hale Williams III. So Daniel Hale Williams, if you've heard of him, he was the first physician and African-American to perform open heart surgery back in 1893. Dr. Daniel Hale Williams um, was one of the first not only to perform open heart surgery, but to also start his own hospital right in the heart of Chicago in a three-story building at the time. Um, Dr. Williams is known for uh, his contribution to health through open heart surgery. And again, he is a cardiologist, but also he founded Provident Hospital and Training School and the Chicago South Side. And this was at a time when only 909 black physicians served 7.5 million African Americans. So, I mean, just think about that for a second. 909 physicians serving 7.5 million African Americans. Because at this time, um, in the late 1800s, there were obviously a huge amount of segregation and black individuals could not get to healthcare facilities. We were not treated in the same facilities as many of our white counterparts. And uh, Dr. Hale took this into his own hands and decided to start a hospital for us by us. Uh, Provident was the first medical facility to have an interracial staff and the first training facility for African-American nurses in the U.S. So again, thank you. Thank you, Dr. Daniel Hale Williams, for your contribution to health and medicine. And thank you for paving the way for many of us coming behind you. Because of you, I am now able today to go to medical school and become a physician. So thank you for your contribution and uh, for allowing us to highlight you during our driven segment. So remember, guys, to get into the driver's seat of your own life and your own health. And remember that you are in complete control. You, Your doctors and physicians, your families and your friends, though are, those are co-workers, but don't allow them to tell you how to navigate your own health. Those are co-workers in your health. Those are not the drivers. Get into the driver's seat of your own health and make significant changes on your own 
terms. And that's exactly what our special guest did today. So let me tell you a little bit about our special guest. So our special guest, my friend and client, Renee, is going to be joining us today to talk about her battles with obesity and health. Renee and I have been working working together since February of 2017. Um, you guys may have heard me mention before, my first company, Professionally Fit, which is our coaching company, um, we take on one-on-one clients as personal training and nutritional coaching clients. And Renee is one of those clients still today. And I've been so impressed with her progress that I told her I had to have her on this show. So Renee, first of all, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Uh, we're going to have some fun today because I'm excited for the listeners to hear about your journey. Um, I'm excited to hear for them to hear about your diving into this plant-based life and all the resistance you tried to give me at first. Um, and um, But moreover, I want them to hear all the things you had to overcome to get here, even with um, bariatric surgery and the things that you went through with that. You've shared a lot with me. And so I'm excited to share that with the audience today. So Renee, first, I'm Tell them a little bit about your background, what you do now. I know you're 36, you're single, no children, but you are in a long-term relationship. Um, and you're working right now, full, full-time career, working towards being an entrepreneur. Yes. Woo-woo. Um, and so tell them, tell them a little bit about what you do now and what kind of like a day looks like for you today. Um, well, um, Right now, I'm an insurance professional. I am a bodily injury adjuster for an insurance carrier. I am a bodily injury adjuster for an insurance carrier. I've been doing that job for about three months, but I've been in the insurance industry for about 12 years now, basically since I graduated from college. Okay. Um, during that time, I've worked for very various carriers. I've um, I've done various jobs within that industry, but I, I found out that this is what I enjoy doing. Um, hopefully within the next few years, I'll be opening my own insurance agency where I'll actually be selling insurance products and financial products to individuals. Um, but, um, that seems to be a little ways off right now, but I'm definitely in the process of getting that together. So okay. I'm excited about that. Okay. Um, basically what brought me to professionally fit was I realized it was time for me to get back on the bandwagon. Okay. Um, as you stated before, I was once very obese. I was over 300 pounds at one point. Okay. Um, and I had gastric bypass surgery back in 2009, mm-hmm. which in my opinion was the best thing that I ever, the best decision I ever made in my entire life. Okay. So wait, I'm going to pause right there. Um, because gastric bypass, I've never heard anybody say it was the best decision they've ever made in their life. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> so how long, so you had the gastric bypass in 2009. Yes. How long before that were you struggling with obesity? Uh, basically all my life. Um, I turned five years old, discovered macaroni and cheese and pizza, and that's been it. <laughs> I've, been, I've been on the uh, on the uh, incline ever since. Okay. Um, and plus food is awesome. <laughs> food is awesome. I agree a thousand percent. And, and I come from a family that loves to cook and they're good at cooking. So it was always celebrations around food and, yes. and things like that. So, so food was just a, a, a happy part of my life, but it's just... 
it didn't do too well in terms of my health and in terms of my self-image. Yes. As I was growing up. And I like what you just said about, you know, celebrations. And, you know, in the black community, we always, in most communities, actually, mm-hmm. food is the center of the event. Mm-hmm. You know, whether we're celebrating, whether we're mourning, right? We come to the table, to the dinner table, um, to highlight whatever that is. And so, like many of us growing up, like you said, you discover macaroni and cheese, you discover pizza, and and then it was a go from there. And so, so, so is it safe to say that clean eating, uh, health and wellness wasn't necessarily a core value in your childhood home? It was not. It was not. Okay. So give me kind of an uh, idea of what your meals looked like as a kid. Uh, fried chicken, macaroni and cheese, and a um, vegetable out of the can. Okay. Yeah. So, so no fresh vegetables. Sometimes as I as we got older that happened. My mother would make broccoli and cauliflower mixtures and things like that, but she mostly stuck to the vegetables we liked eating. Okay. Yeah. So. Okay. So not a huge emphasis on fresh fruits and vegetables. And so as you began to progress through elementary, middle, high school, your weight continued to increase? Mm-hmm. Um, um well I gra- when I graduated from high school I was 185 pounds. Okay, and how tall are you? Uh, five four. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, and you were one eighty five. Yep. Okay, mm-hmm. and mentally, where were you? Were you in a good place? Were you confident, um, or did you feel insecure about your weight at the time? At that time, I was okay. Okay. You no, know, I, I I felt I I was one of the little thick girls. Okay. So I mean, I had a little extra stomach that you know I didn't like, but I could hide that with the right outfit. Uh-huh. But I, I was cute, you know. Guys, holiday was cool. <laughs> Right. That's all that mattered. I'm getting some attention. I'm out here. All right. Okay. All right. So graduated high school at 185. And then what happened? You went into college. I went to college and um, the freshman 15 turned into the sophomore 50 and then it turns into the senior 70. Wow. So by the time I graduated from college in 2005, I tipped the scales at about 297 pounds. Wow. So back in 2005, you were 297, just teetering on 300 pounds. Um, At this time, up to this point, had you developed any health issues? No. At that time, I had not developed any uh, health issues or anything like that that I had known of. Uh Um, No, that was... No, at that time, no. I okay. hadn't developed anything. Okay. Um, so no health issues up until this point, but you were definitely 300 pounds. Was it affecting your lifestyle? Was it affecting places you went, uh, deciding whether or not to be in public, clothes you wore, who you wanted to be around, your self-esteem? Yes, it did. Okay. Um, it, I was in my early 20s. So in, in your early 20s, you go out to clubs and you hang out and things like that. And that's something that I hated doing. Mm-hmm. If you called and said, hey, let's go to this club. They're having free margaritas. I'm like, no. If you said, hey, let's go to dinner. I'm like, okay, cool. But don't make me go to this club. Because that's not something that I want to do. I'm, I'm just basically going to sit there and, and watch people's purses. It's just something I didn't want to do. Um, in terms of the clothes that I wore, I never wore jeans. Ever. Like, I never wore jeans. But for some reason, I always like to wear high heel shoes and, and, and dress slacks and things like that. Because I thought that the better I dressed for my size the less noticeable my size would be. Got it. So that's kind of the attitude I took with the way I dressed and things like that. In terms of self-esteem, it did affect my my self-esteem as it related to my career. Because one thing that I've noticed is that there are no fat CEOs and and vice presidents. Okay, let's pause there for a second. Mm -hmm. You said it affected your career. And one of the things you've noticed is there there are no fat CEOs. Mm -hmm. 
and vice president and vice presidents wow Mm -hmm. that's a that's that's a big statement (laughs) no pun intended (laughs) but but it's true though as i as i was working in different departments and i worked for different companies i always had the opportunity to go through the c-suite where the vice president the ceo and the coo and all of them were and i would notice how they would look how they would carry themselves and also notice what their hobbies were like i worked with one person this gentleman was probably in his 50s and he was a triathlon Mm -hmm. a triathlete Uh it's something that he loved doing him and his wife Uh you know and i and i noticed that i noticed that with other women that worked um in the c-suite and other women that worked and other black women that worked in the c-suite they weren't you know two and three hundred pounds they were you know they were healthier and they they seemed to have a more um more confidence in themselves a lot more than what i had at that time Uh so yeah so that had to really impact you because I can imagine you kind of when you're thinking about your career and the direction that you wanted it to head, uh, that's not available to me. Looking like this, that's not available to me. Mm-hmm. And so that had to really impact you. So at that point when you realize, OK, there are no obese CEOs and vice presidents, um, did that change the path you wanted for yourself career wise or did that change your motivation to lose the weight? changed my motivation to lose the weight okay so and this was back in when around what time um when i decided to have the gastric bypass this was probably early 2009 okay okay all right so it changed your motivation so what exactly did that look like what that looked like was it looked like me um taking a transfer from the kalamazoo area back down to the metro detroit area back in uh late 2008 i actually took a demotion because i wanted to get out of that particular area wanted to get out of that particular area because the things just weren't going well because I didn't feel good about myself Uh and when you don't feel good about yourself that goes into everything else Uh that goes into your career that goes into your personal life so I'm like you know I just need to change everything Uh so let me uproot and go home and and start from there so that's kind of what I thought about it as as a reset for myself yes moving from Kalamazoo moving home and um when I got home, the first thing I did, I made uh, an appointment with my, a primary care doctor. I found a new doctor. And we did Weight Watchers for about three months. And I lost 10 pounds in three months. Yay. 10 pounds in three months. Oh, my God. I hate Weight Watchers. Oh. So after that mildly successful uh, three months, I decided I, I just, it was weird. I just woke up one day and thought, I'm going to look into gastric bypass surgery. Okay. Because I had a friend that had it a few years prior. And her results were fantastic and she looked great and she, her life just took a complete 180 and she was just on cloud nine. And I'm like, I want to do that too. So, um, I went to my doctor and I found a really, um, I found a really good surgeon over in Madison Heights, an African-American doctor by the name of Dr. Michael H. Wood. Mm. And he is the director of bariatric surgery for DMC Harper University Hospital. And he's also a clinical professor for Wayne State University. Oh, sounds like somebody we need to have on the show. Exactly. Um, He is also the inventor and um, co-inventor and patent of the uh, new procedure for gastric bypass surgery, which is called the Sepla Wood Micro Pouch. So it's a procedure where instead of them shrinking your pouch down to the size of an egg, they shrink it down to the size of a grape, which makes weight loss faster and longer lasting. But this is a permanent procedure. This is indeed a permanent procedure. So when you say shrink your pouch, you're you're referring to the stomach. Yes. Okay. So the current procedure shrinks your stomach down to the size of an egg. Yes. Is that the procedure you got? 
No. The procedure I got was the one that shrinks it down to a grape. Okay, so you got his new procedure. Yes, I did. And he's been doing this procedure for how long? Was it 2009, his first year? No. Um, he started, I believe, back in 2002. Mm. Yes. Okay, so he's... He, he, before we talk about your specific experience, just tell me a little bit more about the procedure. He shrinks your stomach down to the size of a grape. Well, he shrinks a portion of the stomach down to the size of a grape. So how it works is, is that they, you have your stomach and what they do is that they cut your stomach in half. Basically Mm -hmm. they leave the lower portion because you need the acids and things to help digest your food. So it can, so you can have your waste, so you can excrete your waste properly. The upper portion they leave, that is the part that you eat. That's the part that holds your food. Okay. And that is the size of a grape. Now, the reason they can shrink it down to the size of a grape is because it will expand over time. It's just going to take a long time, and it will expand to the size of an egg. So okay. they reroute a portion of your lower intestines to the pouch so that it goes into your stomach, down into your intestines, mm-hmm. and you can have regular bowel movements and things like that. Okay. So when I know this sounds really scary. It does. I have to be honest with you. I have to be honest with you, Renee. It does sound really scary. scary. um, Especially with it not being reversible. But moreover, and we're going to talk about this, it sounds the most scary because unfortunately, most individuals who have this gastric bypass surgery do not stick to the regimen that they should after post-surgery. And I can see this causing a lot of adverse effects. If you are not well-versed now in nutrition, if you are not well-versed in the importance of exercise, if you're not well-versed now in the importance of the mental health component, the stress management component, all these things that affect our weight. Mm -hmm. And so it's really scary for me to think that we're disrupting um, our original version, so to speak, mm-hmm. right? And then we're not, a lot of individuals don't then stick to the plan. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? A lot of, I think a lot of people, and you tell me if I'm wrong, and I want to talk about the meetings you even have to go to before you have this surgery, but I believe a lot of people go into gastric, gastric bypass thinking that is the plan. Like that's the beginning and the end of it. I want the surgery. Mm-hmm. And not thinking about what you have to do post surgery. Really, for the rest of your life. You still have to put in the work. You still have to put in the work. Please say it again. (laughs) You still have to put in the work. Like, yes, I had the gastric bypass. Yes, I had that. But I still realized that, yes, I still have to eat properly. Yes, I still have to exercise. And that's an ongoing, it's an ongoing life, a a lifestyle change. And they tell you that when you have your initial appointment. Mm -hmm. The reason that the process for gastric bypass is so long is because they want, the surgeons and the doctors want to, or they should want to make sure that you're successful in what you're doing. It shouldn't just be, okay, I'm going to get late. I'm going to lay on this table, have them cut on me. And that's going to, I'm going to get up and go back to work six weeks later and be a new person. And that's not the way that works. And in fact, between the day I decided to have the surgery and the day I actually was able to get on the table was about six months. And I, and I appreciated that entire wait time because it gave you time to research what you were doing. And research how you can get it right. Because I did talk to people who had the surgery before. And I listened to the problems that they had. Mm -hmm. The dumping syndromes and things like that. Okay, how do I prevent that? Okay, one way you prevent that is don't eat fast food. Let's tell. <laughs> let's pause and tell people what dumping is, because dumping is a really huge side effect of gastric bypass and, and, and weight loss surgery. Dumping syndrome is a huge side effect of gastric bypass. 
I look at it in terms of it's it, it's working. That's how I look at it. Because what dumping does is it helps you get rid of the things in your body you weren't supposed to eat. You're not supposed to eat high things that high, that's high in sugar. You're not right. supposed to eat things that are high in fat and oil and things like that. And once you do, your body will immediately let you know, right. this cannot stay. I remember my first... Um, my first bout of uh, of um, of dumping, I had apples and peanut butter, mm-hmm. and I thought I was gonna die. Like I did. Like my chest so, got tight. Yeah, I, I I couldn't breathe. It was serious. So you consumed his apples and peanut butter. That's it. And what was it? Too much of sugar? Um, I'm thinking it was a combination of fiber. It was just too much. It was too early in surgery for me, after surgery for me to eat that. At okay. That time. Okay. And so, okay, continue. Physically, what did it feel like? I couldn't breathe. Yeah. So my breathing was very erratic at that point. I started sweating and my chest started hurting. So it sound, So it felt like a cross between a heart attack and an asthma attack. Like I, I was just done. And it was so weird. I was at my boyfriend's house and I was going through all of this. And he's like, are you okay? Don't you take you to the hospital? I'm like, no, I know what it is. I just didn't like it. I knew what it was. Well, that's good. Um, so about three minutes later, I'm in the bathroom and it all comes out. I drink some water and I'm good. That's it. Okay. So dumping is your body's response to, I, before I would have said bad food, but apples and peanut butter are not necessarily a bad choice. Mm-hmm. True. So it's your body's response to either bad food processed fast food packaged foods or a combination of foods that may not be in sync with your body yet at that time exactly. and does do the physicians or the facility explain to you what what foods you should avoid absolutely i mean outside of the mcdonald's and the fast food because mm-hmm. who would have known that apples and peanut butter right um they give you a whole it's, it's a comprehensive program they okay. tell you from beginning to end what you should be eating. This is what you do your first week after surgery. This is what you do for the second. For example, um, the initial healing process is about six weeks after surgery. Um, no, you know, lifting, bending, things like that. And then watch your food intake. Your first week after surgery is all clear liquid. So you're drinking water. You're drinking diluted apple juice, things like that. Um, and you're taking your vitamins. Your second week, you're eating baby food, basically. You in the in the aisle with the Gerber, like give you the strained peas. The third week is basically pureed foods. So you're pureeing, or it's a hard food, like you're uh, scrambling an, a hard scrambled egg or um, uh, tuna fish in the food processor, mm-hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then your fourth week, you should be able to get back into some soft, solid foods. Like for example, if you want to eat mashed potatoes and applesauce and things like that, you can start eating those things at that time. Wow. Yeah. This is a really regimented system. It is a commitment and you have to be ready for it. If you're not ready for it, don't do it. Wow. <laughs> um and and be ready to so most people should maybe would you suggest use this surgery as a springboard into a healthy lifestyle versus using it just as a weight loss solution. I used it as a springboard to a healthy lifestyle. Yes. Because I refused to go back. I the everything that I had to go through after surgery the first six weeks first three months basically you're going through the healing process you are basically learning how to eat again because you have your body is your system is completely different and it doesn't tolerate the things that it tolerated before you know two months after surgery yeah you can eat some um you can eat wendy's but it's not recommended right you know so you you have to relearn 
how to eat and how to eat properly and how to sustain your body. Wow. Yeah. Before we move on for this, I think it's important for people to understand too that um, there's preparation that needs to be done prior to the surgery. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm talking strictly mental. Mm -hmm. There's, you know, because a lot of times when you get into a situation where you're able to see results that fast, it requires you physically change, but you mentally don't, mm -hmm. right? And go. so you come out maybe a size eight or a size 10 or before you, before you maybe have been a size 22, but the person inside of you is still a size 22 in the mind, if that makes sense. That does. And I, I, I feel so bad for individuals who look up six, 12 months post-surgery, they've gained this weight back plus more. Mm -hmm. Um, their self-esteem has, hasn't moved or may have even went lower, right? Um, they still have extremely unhealthy lifestyle habits. Mm -hmm. And so I think it takes a lot. The mental part is on you. You have the physicians. You have the team that might educate you on the regimen, that educates you on the procedure, that educates you on recovery. But the mental part is on you. I mean, you talk to a psychologist or somebody, don't you? Yes, that's a part of the um, the pre-approval process. Right. Um, you go to a workshop where mm -hmm. you meet with um, past, present, and future uh, gastric bypass patients. And then uh, you also meet with a dietitian. And then you also meet with a psychologist as well. Mm. Like they make you do all of that because they do want to make sure that number one, you understand exactly what you're getting ready to do because it's not reversible yeah. and that you're mentally ready for it so that you can be successful and maintain a healthy lifestyle and not just weight loss. Okay. So let me ask you, I know initially when gastric bypass came on the scene, it was intended for individuals who had health issues that were like critical mm -hmm. and you need to get this weight off your body right now. Mm -hmm. Um, and, or else you could, you know, we could risk losing you. Mm -hmm. So now I feel like it's kind of moved into a realm of a tool versus necessarily being life-saving every, for every surgery. Mm -hmm. So for you, did you have pre-existing health conditions? I did have some pre-existing health conditions. I was, um, borderline diabetic and I also had high blood pressure. Okay. Um, I also had, um, plaque psoriasis and cirrhotic arthritis, which I still have. That's not going anywhere. I was diagnosed with that when I was 25. Um, and then I also had um, um, PCOS, which is polycystic ovarian syndrome. And um, I also had uh, endometriosis as well. So I now also deal with that as well um, to this day. Okay. So quite a few mm -hmm. pre-existing conditions. Mm -hmm. So let's move a little more into present day. So in 2009, um, you had this surgery. How much weight did you lose? Um, within the first year, I lost 127 pounds. Whoa. Yep. Okay. So you went in at 297? I went in at 302. Okay. Yep. All right. So you went ahead and tipped that scale I to did. the three. I did. I ate a little bit more and was I, like, I might as well. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Lived it up one last time. Yep. Tipped the scale at 302. Yep. Went into gastro bypass. Mm -hmm. Lost one. 127. Wow. So you came out at what weight? Uh, 173. Okay. So post-surgery. Now. When you, after you have the surgery, literally that first day you're at 173 or over those next four weeks and everything recovery, more weight comes off. More weight comes off. In fact, um, my first six weeks, I lost 45 pounds. So the last time my coworkers had saw me, it was September 27th of 2009. I went back to work on, in November. Okay. And I had to buy new pants because none of my pants fit. Of course. Because I had lost <laughs> 50 freaking pounds. Right. Um, 
so basically you lose a lot of weight within that time yeah and how you eat and how you exercise does affect that not everyone loses that like i was determined to lose 100 pounds by my birthday my birthday was april 4th Mm -hmm. it was in april the following year i had lost 102 pounds by my birthday wow because i wanted to be in the century club as they called it okay um and that and again just because i had the surgery doesn't mean that i could you know, lay around and be lazy and things like that. I still had to put that work in because I didn't want to have the excess skin and things like that. So weightlifting, I, I got with a personal trainer. I hadn't met you yet, okay. but I had gotten with a personal trainer. Um, I was at the expensive health clubs that had all the classes that you can go to. Yes. So, and I did that on a regular basis. In fact, one of my goals for post-surgery was I wanted to run a 5K. Wow. And I ran my first 5K um basically one week before my one year anniversary of surgery wow i ran a 5k in under 35 minutes (gasps) congratulations that's a really good time thank you thank you wow okay so i mean you really this is this is a really exceptional story because again gastric bypass is not an easy thing to do it's not an easy thing to live with and the physical paired with the mental can be a lot Mm -hmm. you know you're putting your body under a lot of physical stress Mm -hmm. and then mentally trying to change trying to catch up with your body Mm -hmm. right Um, because you know one of the benefits of losing weight the natural way is you know over time over the course of losing that five pounds here, 10 pounds there, 20 pounds there, you slowly change with it. But to wake up and then, you know, a couple more weeks, you're down 45 more pounds is a huge adjustment. Um, so you seem to have it all like screwed on tight. Like you're, I mean, I'm not saying you you're perfect, but you know, out of all my clients that I have, you know what you want. You come in and perform. You don't make any excuses. You're not only on time, you're early. You're doing cardio before sessions. Um, You've transitioned to this plant-based diet almost seeming, you know, seamlessly. So that's not, that's not the average story. Do you know what I'm saying? And so I suspect there's something inside of you. You know, there's like that, that grind inside of you that's like, my mind's made up. I want this thing. Mm-hmm. It's going to get done. No excuses. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it takes yeah. that type of person to do this. Mm-hmm. So let's fast forward now. So now you got a trainer afterwards. You ran your first 5K. Um, and then did you kind of just maintain? Did you gain any of the weight back? Yes, I did gain some weight back. How much? Uh, 30. 32 pounds, actually. And how did you gain that weight back? And over what amount of time? Oh, it probably took me about a good two and a half years to gain that weight. Oh. Yeah, it's not something that happened immediately. Okay. Um, And basically, I gained it back, you know, by not exercising as much as I did uh-huh. and eating a little bit better. Okay. Eating a little worse. Okay. Um, You know, I would eat pizza two and three nights a week when I came home as opposed to eating, you know, my grilled chicken salads that I used to eat. Right. Or I would eat lunch out more as opposed to taking my lunches to work with me or I'd eat. I, I, I think what really did it was that I just got really busy with work and mm-hmm. and i think that was my my excuse and i was like screw it i'll just grab something on the way yeah you know as long as i'm not taking out a hot and ready pizza by myself i'm okay um but that's that weight slowly started to creep back up the knees started hurting again the back started hurting again things like that i love it so because your body told you yeah hey renee uh what are we doing here mm-hmm. and so your body talked to you like most of our bodies yeah. do you know it told you that this unhealthy food mm-hmm. um, is going to cause you not only to gain more weight, but not to feel as good. Mm-hmm. 
um, back knee pain. So all of your pre-existing uh, pre-existing conditions where they're kind of flaring up, where they're kind of showing themselves a little more. Yes, they were. Okay. And I and and the crazy thing is that even after I had gastric bypass surgery and lost 127 pounds, I still was on my high blood pressure medication. Wait a minute. I was still taking that. Let's press pause. Yeah. Because <laughs> hypertension is one of the you know not only is it the silent silent killer, mm-hmm. um, but it's one of the number one killers in the black community, and we suffer from hypertension at a much higher rate than our non-black counterparts. Mm-hmm. So post surgery. Mm-hmm. Post 127 pound weight loss, mm-hmm. you were still suffering from high blood pressure. I was. How is that possible? Um, I don't. Well, now I understand it was because of my diet. <laughs> Please say it again <laughs> for the people. I understand <laughs> it was because of my diet. And um, even though I was taking a smaller dosage, I was still taking it and I still didn't like it. I was right. still dealing with the high blood pressure things like that like I couldn't drink wine and there's certain foods that I couldn't eat and I like wine and I want to be able to drink it but I don't want to have a stroke because I'm drinking a little exactly. gla- I'm drinking a half a glass of Merlot or something to that extent right okay so so at what point did you decide to get back on the wagon and go hard again like get serious um 2017 okay so just this year yeah just this year all right and so we started together in February of yep. this year Okay, so what weight were you at when you started with me and Professionally Fit? 201. Okay, so you were at 201. Mm-hmm. Please tell the people where you are now. 167. What? <laughs> and I'm just as freaked out as you are about it. I could not believe it when I went to the doctor. And they said, yeah, you're down to 160. I'm like, get the hell out of here. Are you serious? Wow. And I, and I think the thing is that I lost it so quickly and I didn't even notice it really. Yep. Yeah, I didn't even notice it. It was just seamless, basically. Wow. I am so proud of you. Oh, thank you. I mean, thank really, you. because losing weight or getting healthy, whatever that looks like for people, is one of the most difficult things an individual tries to do. And I've quoted the statistic, me and Jay have many times on the show, but um, 80% of people who try to lose weight fail. And I mean, fail forever. Like they keep trying, they try new diets, they try new workout regimens, they try pills, potions, formulas, weight loss programs, and 80% of people never win, never win at this thing. And you've been able to do that and you're continuing to do that. And, and, and I want you to know that you motivate so many people and we're going to talk about some of those people in your life that you talk to me about that you motivate. Um, but guys, I want you to know it's possible. It's totally possible to do this thing. You're, you're listening to Renee. You listen to me, you listen to Jay. You probably have a ton of other people that you follow and listen to with regard to health and wellness. And just know that the only thing it takes is a made up mind. Like that's your best asset. Mm -hmm. Like, that's your best tool. You ain't got to have a certain gym. You don't have to necessarily have a coach. You don't have to have a certain weight loss program, a regimen to follow. You don't have to have a special blender. You All you need is a made-up mind, right? When the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Just decide you want to do this thing, and everything else will fall into your lap, right? Okay, so you started at 201. You're down to 167. Woo, woo. Uh, professionally fit. Uh, .co and (laughs) can I pause here for a commercial Um, so listen so tell us how you did it tell us 
you know, what that's looked like for you transitioning down to 167 and still going. Mm-hmm. And what, what, uh, what pan size were you at when you started? Uh, I was in a 14. Okay. You were in a 14 yes. and a little birdie told me that you just went shopping last weekend and you <laughs> slipped into a 10 like it was nothing. I did. And I was so excited that dress is hanging in my closet right now. <laughs> <laughs> and that was. was just to be clear. Yes. This was a banana Republic 10. Yes, it was. It wasn't your uh, New York and company uh-huh. Macy's 10. Exactly. Well, no Walmart 10. This was a Banana Republic 10. That's a different type of 10. Yes, it is. Right. That's Diaz right there. (laughs) So that is so good. So you're down to a size 10. How are you, before we even get into the physical body, how are you feeling? I feel great. I really do. Um, I have more energy. I sleep better at night. Um, when I eat meals, my stomach doesn't hurt, in which I really like that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, but I, I just overall just feel better. I feel like, like my my skin is clearer. When I look at myself in the mirror, I look younger. You know. So I I I'm happy. Yes. I really am. I am happy, and I'm glad that I made. I'm glad I made the transition. Yes. Yeah. I'm glad I met your crazy self. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, gotta bring a little crazy to get results. Um. So, okay. Most important question. What's that blood pressure doing these days? My blood pressure is perfect. Last time I went to the doctor, um, he's still monitoring me because he still wants me to lose another 10 to 15 pounds. Mm -hmm. He would feel more comfortable if I was around 155, 150, which I understand. Um, But last time I had a blood pressure check, it was 64, 112 over 64. Wow. Phenomenal. I was shocked. Blood pressure medication? Nope. Yeah. Love it. This is my favorite. Okay, so no blood pressure medication. And I just want to rewind the track real quick. You said last time you talked to your doctor, he wants you to lose about a 10 or 15 more pounds to bring you roughly around 155. Mm-hmm. This is from a girl who back in 2009, 2009 was 302. Yep. Going into gastric bypass. Yes. And now could you have even at that time imagined, pictured, envisioned the scale saying 155? Nope. I haven't been 155 since I was like 12. Wow. <laughs> like 12 years and you sitting pretty at 36. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Full-time career, yes. right? A full life. Yes. You travel, mm-hmm. you have you spend a ton of time with your friends and family and your boyfriend and you love you're a biker. I am. Right? I have a motorcycle. You have a motorcycle. <laughs> I mean, you're living life. You're not sitting in a closet with your plants trying to stay away from life because you're too afraid you don't eat wrong. Like, you're still out doing things, right? And you're still out experiencing things. And you're making plans for the future. Yes. Yes? So, this is amazing because um, let's talk about this diet. Okay. Because that's the biggest contributor. Mm-hmm to your success Mm -hmm. right and so that's all you Mm -hmm. right i just show up to the gym (laughs) right that's all i do i show up to the gym throw a few burpees in the mix right um but the plants Mm -hmm. and the diet when you started with with us over at professionally fit um you were the drive-through queen kind of right i was I, i was mcdonald's taco bell Panera if I was feeling fancy you know um yeah I would yeah, because I would get off work and I'd be tired and I'm just like I don't feel like I'm going to you know I'd call my boyfriend I'm like I'm on my way home I'm going to Taco Bell what do you want mm-hmm. and he's like yeah just give me whatever and that's and that's kind of where I was with that um but I knew that had to change because yes. eating out every night that can be kind of expensive first of you all know, yes you know. <laughs> Um, and then it's just not the healthiest thing that you can do for yourself. And I started to feel it. I was feeling tired. I was cr- I was getting irritable and cranky. 
mm-hmm. you know, and, and it reflected and I, I just didn't want to feel that way anymore. Wow. Yeah. So you had, you had to have a wake up call, have a serious conversation with yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so you knew this bad eating wasn't the ticket. So now you've transitioned to uh, a plant-based life, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, we've eliminated meat. Yep. We've eliminated dairy. Yes. So we've eliminated, do you still consume any animal products at all? Every once in a while, I'll eat fish. Okay. All right. I'll eat salmon or something like that. Okay. That's rare. But that's rare. Yes. Um, how resistant were you to this plant-based life when I first introduced the idea to you? Very much so. <laughs> you know, because you were like, you were into the plant-based thing. And, and I'm like, I don't know if I could just eat all vegetables just all the time. Like, what am I going to eat? Right. <laughs> like, that's like, what am I going to eat? <laughs> But I started doing, but I started listening to you. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I came to the company. I started with Professionally Fit for guidance. That's what I wanted. That's what I needed. Right. So I need to listen to the person that I hired to give me that. Yeah. And when you mentioned, um, you know, stop eating dairy and you made some very good points about, you know, my digestive tract and things like that. Actually, your first advice to me was to give up soy milk mm-hmm. because I was drinking soy milk because I never really drank milk anyway. And the only thing I really consumed in terms of dairy was like cheese and and sour cream and yogurt and things like that. So when I switched to almond milk, I noticed that I didn't have the digestive issues I was having anymore. Mm. So I'm like, oh, she might actually know what she's talking about. So <laughs> let me just keep going. <laughs> let me just keep going with her advice. And then you mentioned, you know, you should give up the dairy because, you know, it, it causes inflammation. And I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll give that up. Mm-hmm. And, and I gave that up. And a week later, guess what? My knees don't hurt no more. And my hip doesn't flare up as, as often. Okay, she's on some stuff. Mm-hmm. And then you decided to, and then when you mentioned the um, the vegan, I said, you know, let me just try this for a week and see what happens. So yes. I did what it was called a one-week vegan challenge. And I remember you, you chuckled because you're like, okay, a one-week vegan, that's cute. Okay, go ahead, girl. <laughs> and I did that. I got a Pinterest board. I started following people on Facebook. I mean, yeah, on Facebook and on um, YouTube. And four days in to my one-week challenge, I was like, oh, I'm in. I'm in this, this wow. is what I do forever because the changes that I saw in just those four days, the way I felt the energy I had, the way my midsection looked like it looked all shrunken in and it was sucking up and everything and not flabby. I'm like, Oh, this is awesome. <laughs> and then like, like my skin started like in four days, Crazy. I could not believe what I was seeing Wow! in those four days. And I'm like, I'm in. Wow. And I haven't looked. And this was back in May. That was back in May. Back in and May so we're year. we're mid-September now. Yep. Um, and so it's only been a couple months. Only a couple months. But the tremendous results you've seen. And you and I were just having a conversation about just wait till you're a year in. Mm-hmm. Right? Because sometimes we don't realize how long it takes for some things to get out of our body and for some things to be reversed. Um, but because you deal with, you mentioned your sciatic nerve, endometriosis, uh, PCOS, PCOS. So you've had... you these conditions which diet plays a huge role in how they treat you right like how the flare-ups and how long those flare-ups last and the severity of them um so what have you seen like talk a little bit about the cramping from the endometriosis and some of the changes you've seen since since switching over to a plant-based diet since since switching over to a plant-based diet i noticed that i'm not as bloated anymore okay um and not to get too graphic, but during that time of the month, I'm noticing that I'm not cramping as much, mm-hmm. if at all, mm-hmm. sometimes. Um, and then I'm not as bloated. Okay. So my clothes still fit when I'm during that time. <laughs> um, another thing that I've noticed that I don't have as much um, 
skin irritation and flare-ups mm. as I once did mm. um, uh, in terms of my um, plaque psoriasis and things like that. In fact, when I went to my dermatologist and I told her that I had changed my diet because she looked at my skin and she's like, your skin looks really well, looks really good. And I said, yeah, I've started a plant-based diet. And she said, I don't know why I don't recommend that to all my patients. What? Because it really does affect yeah. your skin. And she's like, I would have never, she's like, that's brilliant. She's like, oh, you, you, you did a great job. I didn't have to tell you to do it. She's like, you did a great job. Well, thank you, lady. <laughs> like, who's paying who? Okay. <laughs> yeah, she, she actually said, she's like, I never thought to recommend that uh, to my patients in terms of my patients with plaque psoriasis and other skin issues. Wow. But I would have never thought about that to, either. Right, yeah. right. And you know, it's funny, you know, your skin is the largest organ on your body. Yes. And a lot of us don't realize, like, I personally look at somebody's skin and can kind of make an assessment of how healthy they are, right? Mm -hmm. Your skin tells the world how healthy you are on the inside, yep, sure how does. you treat your body, mm -hmm. right? Shows through your skin. And um, I know when I first transitioned to a plant-based diet, well, I was detoxing from all of that mucus and the hormones and the meat. Like, I was just breaking out. Mm -hmm. And I went to a dermatologist thinking I'm allergic to something in the world. And all I was doing was detoxing, right? And your skin, if you do any type of detox, your skin is the last place that those toxins are going to come out of. Mm -hmm. And then when you get to the other side of that thing... Awesome. It's awesome. It's awesome. Like my makeup, I don't wear as much makeup anymore because I don't have to. Wow. Yeah. That's an amazing. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. So you. this weight loss, you know, for you, talk really quickly about who you've become to other people in your life. I know you have a really close relationship with your mom and your sister and your boyfriend. And then, you know, coworkers have been hounding you about, Renee, what are you doing? Yeah. What's going on? And so what I always like to warn people about as they transition is that, you know, a couple months into this thing with your phenomenal results, you're going to become the pseudo expert in your life. And people are going to, at first, wonder what you're doing, then demand to know how they can do what you did. Mm -hmm. And so has that been your experience? It has been. I get the, I get the pull aside, uh, you know, I've gotten the pull aside a few times at work. You know, <laughs> someone catches me in the copy room and say, you know, I've noticed you lose some weight. How did you do that? And I, and I go through and I tell them how I've done it. And they're looking at me like, I don't know if I can do that. Oh, said, yeah. you know, I thought the same thing and I did it anyway. Yeah. So it's, so it's all about your mindset and what you really want to do. Um, with my family, um, I come from a family, you know, we, we're, we're big eaters, we're, you know, a lot of us, a lot of them are heavy, a lot of us were, and I was heavy, and um, basically I've, I, I just kind of just said, I'm going to do this, and hopefully I can lead by example yes. in what I'm doing. Okay. And oftentimes, you know, like with my mom, you know, she's she's cut down on her meat consumption and things like that, and she's lost weight. Uh, my sister became an accidental vegan because she watched a documentary that grossed her out and she's on the phone calling and asking me about the different things that I do in terms of my diet and they're and they're very open-minded yes. about new things too and that's what I really really love about my family my mom and, and my sister like my mom called me up with the idea of going to Detroit Vegan Soul I'm like really you want to go there she's like yeah take me for my birthday no problem yeah and we went and she absolutely loved it you know and yes. she started making vegan meals and things like that and and it's just been really cool because, you know, it. we just kind of all dive into it together sometimes. Now, my boyfriend, not so much on board, but <laughs> he's very supportive in terms of what I'm doing. Good. And that's what you need. You know, um, sometimes your hardest battle can be with the people in your household mm -hmm. as you're trying to transition and lose weight, whether that be children, spouses, 
whatever, if somebody else is not on board or at least 100% supportive, it gets really hard. It does. You know, they're bringing home hot and readies and things that you specifically told them, I don't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. And so and you haven't got strong enough to resist yet. So I'm so glad that, you know, he's on board with you. Um, really quickly about what you said about your family, you know, being big. Uh, me and Jay mentioned in the last week's episode about obesity, about um, the gene argument, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of people believe that your genes determine your weight. Mm-hmm. And uh, a quote that I mentioned last week on the episode was that the genes load the gun, but your diet and lifestyle pulls the trigger, right? And so we can all use the excuse of everybody's in my family is big. I grew up like this. I never had a chance, but that's 100% untrue. It is. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so... Because you've had that experience. You, mm-hmm. you guys came up on the typical soul food, you know, exercise, not necessarily, you know, enforced. Mm-hmm. And so everyone kind of gained a lot of weight. Mm-hmm. And you could have sat comfortably in that position. Like, mm-hmm. this is what everybody around me looks like. This is must be what was my fate, mm-hmm. right? But you knew that wasn't it for you. No, it wasn't. Yeah. I, I, and the thing about it is that I was seeing some of my family members get old before their time because of Mm. their because of their health and their lifestyle yes you know i had an aunt that passed away and she was you know 500 pounds when she passed and she had all types of obesity related issues high blood pressure diabetes things like that and and that's just something that i didn't want for myself that's not something i want from the fam the members of my family that are still here Mm -hmm. so it's not as though I, i hound them and then i'm on their head like you need to eat like this but like hey Let's try this food. Yeah. You know, and yeah. they're like, oh, this is good. Yes. Great. Okay. <laughs> so that's that's kind of how I approach it with my family. I'm not very, you need to do this. Hey, I'm, I tried this food. You want some? You yeah. Know, that's kind of how it goes for me. Yeah. 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 I love it. Yeah. You're not, you know, an evangelist. You mm-hmm. pull out your soapbox, soapbox when necessary. When um, But, you know, at the same time same time sometimes it does pay off to be a little more aggressive like mm-hmm. listen to me mm-hmm. you cannot keep going down these roads and especially if they have pre-existing pre-existing conditions mm-hmm. then you know i almost feel like sometimes it's my responsibility to save people close to me mm-hmm. like you don't have to live like this mm-hmm. you know and you know it's a fine line because you know this plant-based life has somehow turned into like a religion for people like you can't convert me don't be you know and it, but you you've experienced so many great results you've seen other people experience great results you just want the same for people who you love i want people to be happy and i want them to be healthy because i understand that you know you can take the medications and you can still live but what is your quality of life? Exactly. And that's what I more or less want to focus on. What is your quality of life? Yeah, you're still alive, but diabetes took your left leg. Yes. And I like my left leg. Yeah. So I'm sure everybody else likes theirs too. Yes. <laughs> so, 100%. So that's that's kind of how I... And I know that's extreme, but it can get that way. And people don't... Like one day that can happen. That can happen. And it's unexpected. And there may be people that have experienced that. With yeah. With a loved one or something to that extent. They yeah. woke up one day and realized... I have to get my leg amputated because of this diabetes or whatever. Right. Yeah. Or a heart attack or anything. Stroke. stroke, Right. And some of these things have, you know, things, uh, things that happen for life that you can't get over. Right. I can't now lift my left arm or, you know, my speech is slurred or I mean anything, you know, so it's better to get in front of it and um, be more proactive versus being reactive with regard to your health. So I'm so proud of you, Renee. You've made 
so many significant changes in your health and your life and now in your family life. And um, that's the biggest contribution that you can give to your legacy, you know, is your health and setting an example with it. So I'm so, so proud of you. Um, finally, let's talk really quickly about where you are in your mental space and how this change has helped you carve out a better future for yourself. Because you said before, you know, I didn't see any fat, <laughs> fat CEOs or, you know, VIPs or vice presidents, right? Um, now you actually have a goal to be an entrepreneur, which it doesn't matter right. what positions they <laughs> offering because you building your own. Right. But yet and still, um, your weight does impact, you know, the opportunities you go after and the opportunities that are offered to you, whether you're an entrepreneur or not. That's very true. Um, since I have lost the weight, I have noticed that I'm not invisible anymore. Mm. And, and I think that that's something that I dealt with. Like people would see me, but they wouldn't see me. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, okay, yeah, she works here, but, you know, that's just her over there in the corner eating, you mm-hmm. know. But since I lost the weight, I engaged myself more. That's you what know, I was I've started say, yeah. going to um, more of the the management meetings and, and, and getting more involved and seeing what else is out there for me in my career. Yes. You know, since I lost weight, um, you know, I had gotten recruited by companies to come and work for them. Wow. And I come in and I interview and, and they're like, you know, we want you to come and do this for us. So I've been recruited by other departments within my company for me to come over and do uh, training and things like that. So I, I've definitely, losing the weight has helped people notice how smart I was. Mm. I think that that's what happened. Like, mm-hmm. oh, she, like, smart and beauty has to go together. Mm in the business world and no matter how we try and deny it and try and does that sound superficial does that sound shallow yes it does but there is also truth to that a hundred percent and um this is an amazing testimony i'm so proud of you i'm over at professionally fit exactly what renee said is what we do we work with female entrepreneurs and or executives who are soaring in their fields and in their enterprises while still maintaining their health and wellness and helping them to see that your health literally directly impacts your career. And, you know, like Renee said, it has helped her become uninvisible, to be visible to these individuals and these people that could help take her career to the next level. Um, And you've played a huge role in that too, right? Because you've taken the veil off and you force people to see you at the same time. And so um, that's what it's all about. By you getting healthy, you are now able to progress and climb the ladder in your career, whether that be corporate or entrepreneurship, and whereby offering opportunities for those coming behind you and black people that look like you, Mm -hmm. black women who look like you, right? And so the further we're able to go in our careers because we're healthy now and we can handle that type of workload or that type Mm -hmm. of stress, the more we're able to pull people with us. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you, I want you to know that this weight loss is not, is way bigger than you. You've helped way more people by doing so. By now working towards open up your own insurance agency. Now you're going to employ us. You're going to employ people like us. And then most importantly, you're going to bring your core values surrounding health to that company. Mm -hmm. Um, I mentioned some episodes um, back on Professionally Fit Podcast about the CEO of, um, uh, what's that system in the car called that? OnStar. OnStar. The CEO of OnStar who makes every Friday his staff get down and just do planks <laughs> on the floor. Like, I love that. Like, when you have a leader who values health, 
then they bring it to the whatever your leader values you're gonna know right and 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 so you're gonna be one of those people like no um everybody every wednesday we do a workout together or we have a plant-based day in the office like this stuff trickles over Mm -hmm. you know what i mean so the more that we can build us up and start our own and lead our own the more we can trickle down our values on health so thank you so much renee thank you for having me i am so proud of you girl (laughs) (laughs) guys if you are in the market to get healthy if you're looking for that jump start if you're trying to figure out where to begin and you're just not sure and you just want to get educated more on these chronic diseases you want to get educated more on plant-based diet and you want some workouts that you can follow and do at home join us over at the black health academy that's the black health you can go there we offer complimentary resources such as this podcast and our bi-weekly blog and then we also offer an entire academy dedicated to teaching you how to prevent and or treat some of the chronic diseases you're dealing with and if you're in the market for one-on-one coaching maybe you feel like you need a health coach that can build a program specifically to your needs then you can join me over at professionallyfit.c Oh, again, that's professionallyfit.co. We'll be back here in another two weeks with a new episode on a Black Health Academy podcast. Thank you again to my phenomenal and fit guest, Miss Renee. Shout out to Dr. Uh, William Hale Williams, Daniel Hale Williams uh, for our Driven segment. And we'll see you back here next, oh, excuse me, in two weeks. Until then, be well.